The Notorious OTB on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. You already play fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold, hard cash with their over-under game. Just head to sleeper.com slash SGP on your phone to join the SGPN group, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's sleeper.com slash SGP. And make sure to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to the Notorious OTB, brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Oh, man, I'm your host, Chase Sessoms, the Wolf of Oakland. I say, oh, man, because uh, it's a special episode. I feel like I say that every week. Every every I, My life is dope, and I do dope shit, so I have special episodes every week. Uh, the, the special thing that's happening is, uh, Caleb Knight, welcome to the to the Two Timers Club. How, how's it going, man? Oh, it's exciting. It's good to be back. And it, it can be special every time. You know, we like to keep, mix it up, get a little bit of spice of life in there, keep things different and exciting. So it, it's it's going good, though. Excited for some Belmont this weekend and uh, no complaints. Things have been going well. So uh, as a uh, two-timer, you'll be receiving a pair of velvet pajama bottoms and a highly erotic edible arrangement uh, from an off-brand edible arrangement. Straight up edible arrangement <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't really touch this one. So I had to, you know kind of get creative there but if you're joining us we're going to be looking at belmont this weekend why because it is the belmont stakes weekend that means means we've got great cards friday and saturday at belmont uh and we're going to take a look at one race in particular before we jump into the late pick four that ends with the let's see what is it the intercontinental uh turf stakes starts with the uh, belmont gold cup love that race two miles but we're going to talk about the better roses, seven furlongs, a grade two for Phillies and mares, four years old and up. And this is a, a deep field, Caleb. What do you think? Super deep? Yeah, it's deep in the sense that you could probably say that four horses could win. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's less yeah. deep than that you could say uh, there's only four horses in the race. So, yeah, I know you and I spoke a little bit before getting on the the live podcast and there's a lot of races like that this weekend where you have a couple of big names that show up but it just feels like nobody else wants to tackle some of those heavy hitters and this is the first example of that with only four horses showing up to uh take on well, i guess three horses showing up to take a shot at bella sofia so it'll be interesting to see uh how this one shakes out i man this is going to be a tough one to figure out because I, you've got weather coming in uh, over the next couple days, it should be dry on Friday. However, how much of that weather that wet is going to hang around for the uh, the track on Friday's races? On top of that, you know, you never know what kind of varying degree of drying it's going to be, and uh, you know what kind of biases might present itself. So, I I don't know why I'm the more more boggled by a four horse race than you know a 20, 20 horse race at, at Ascot or something. It is tricky, man. And it feels like a lot of times in these short fields, you just get an extra dose of fuckery where you just get some nonsense that goes down. I mean, short field, long price, like they always say. I don't think anyone here is really going to be a long price. It's a four horse field. And I think uh, obviously easy to bless is going to be the longest price on the board and may not get respect 
due to the connections, but I don't think she's hopelessly overmatched here. So I don't think you'll see anyone at a, a crazy long price. I guess it probably depends on what you think of Bella Sophia. She's likely the horse to beat in here. I mean, five wins out of seven career starts. She got the job done last time in the vagrancy, but probably not the way that you'd like to see her get it done at the odds of a uh, two to five in another small field, a five horse field. Uh, what are you doing with Bella Sophia? Well, with Bella Sophia, it, what's hard to, what makes it hard is that Bella Sophia's performance 100% depends on easy to bless because easy to bless is the most likely horse to get out there and press Bella Sophia. So I, to analyze Bella Sophia, I got to wonder, I got to look here. I see these fractions and I'm not sure if easy to bless is going to be fast enough to keep up with Bella Sophia and therefore actually, you know, pressure her enough to make her, you know, fall off towards the end. I actually, I don't know. I, you either single or you toss, right? That's, that's the only way I can think about this. Uh, when it, when it comes to horizontal, which I mean, come on, it's a four horse field. You ought to be singling or, or, you know, tossing, uh, on that one. Um, I don't know. I'm deep in the weeds here. Tell me, you tell me what to think. That's why I've had you on as a guest. Come on, man. Man, this is a rough race, dude. It's, you know, I think you made it, you you summed it up when you said I've spent less time on 20 horse fields at Ascot because I I look at the race and I'm like, okay, Bella Sophia looks to be controlling speed. I tend to agree with you. I don't think easy to bless is fast enough to go. And, And I don't, okay, let me say, I don't think easy to bless can probably win this race. I don't think that she's fast enough to go with Bella Sophia early. I don't know that I see a, a trip scenario where she's able to run her down late if she's not on the lead. I don't think she can win. But between the remaining three, obligatory glass ceiling and Bella Sophia, it is tricky. Bella Sophia will be out there on the lead with Saez, probably doing her thing. But uh, you know, she barely beat Frank's Raquette last out. And I don't think Frank's Raquette is a particularly talented filly. I mean, she's fine, but she's no... Uh, monster. She's not scaring anybody away. She'd probably be third choice in this field. So it kind of makes me wonder, like, you know, did she just need that start off the layoff or did she maybe, you know, lose a step coming out of that Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint where she really did not show up with a very good effort when her and Gamine kind of put each other away. Right. And I'm just not really sure what to make of her. So honestly, at, a, at what I expect is going to be a very short price. I think I saw her installed around even money on Twitter from, from David Aragona this afternoon. I'd probably be inclined to maybe toss her a little bit and try to beat her with the one and the two. I don't know if there's really enough pace for the one to get there, but I've also said that in like each of the last three races and she's somehow like won each one of them. (laughs) So maybe she just like bribes the other horses to like go full send or I don't know what's going on, but this is a horse that's gotten set up in three consecutive races where it didn't look like she was going to have the setups. So so I'm not really sure. I just, I noticed the trainer name on, on the four, or sorry, on the one obligatory, and I have to do some Googling. Okay, Bill Mott's birthday is July 29th. We are safe there because uh, Bill Mott always wins on his birthday. I agree with you. I think if this field was just a little bit bigger and even had a couple of just like pressing style horses, early pressing style horses, that obligatory would actually be sitting in a great spot from a pace stand up, you know, a pace uh, setup standpoint. Um adventurous and try uh you know i imagine a world where easy to bless actually gets out and pressures bella sophia and i try a, a glass ceiling over obligatory uh exacta i'm not going to put a lot behind that though because that's more of just pie in the sky sort of thing but with four horse race of course you know could shake out 
could shake out like that. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to say anything can't happen in a four horse race. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think um, glass ceiling probably would be my pick here, even though I sort of went into obligatory. I just think that obligatory might be left with a little too much to do. Right. That's kind of like what you're saying. Glass ceiling. I mean, she's not going to get respect because winter duck form, you know, is kind of spotty sometimes. But I think you can go back to the fall Belmont meet and that form holds up. I mean, she was a second by a head to Lady Rocket, who's you know an excellent uh, Philly sprinter. I mean, she beat a couple of nice horses. She beat search results by 13 lengths last out. You know, and search results is actually entered in, uh, I think it's the, the FIPS on Saturday, I want to say, is where she's entered in. Um, yeah, she's entered in the FIPS where she came back and just crushed the ruffian last out. So you know, I think glass ceiling is not going to get respected enough. And I think she should be more respected than the line will indicate. So that would be my pick in this race. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'll be honest. I think the most likely finish, uh, cause I got to think they're probably tuning up the track for the, for the weekend at this point is probably Bella Sophia over glass ceiling straight up. And it will probably pay a buck 54 for a buck. So, uh, you know, I, I think you probably single glass, uh, Bella Sophia and horizontals and then try to do something vertically in this race to kind of maybe, take the sting out of a, a stone cold single in a four horse race and losing. If, if that happens to you. Yeah, I think that's probably the right approach. Uh, moving on. We hit the, the late pick four portion with uh, you're a big fan of older marathon turf horses. <laughs> and yeah, I think I read that about you somewhere. Yeah, you may have heard that. Uh, I just love the older male term turf marathon division. You know, all my favorite horses are in there, man. It's I actually, I don't see a lot of those names that we we really like to bag on typically for this division, at least uh, when I when I look at at, at this lineup. Um, you got to think that the eye pretty much goes immediately to the foreign invaders in these races that have been racing those sort of distances. They've got some pretty impeccable distance turf pedig- uh, pedigree. Um, but you know, there's always that kind of that wild card of how are they going to run whenever they get to the United States? For me, I don't have any sort of speed figure to really look at. It all has to be based on, you know, doing replay work and everything. And, uh, for some reason, just people in Europe don't like showing me fractional times, which boggles the mind to me for some reason. Um, I mean, it, it, to me, it seems it, it could be as simple as just take the euros and, and move on. Or do you think that there's an American horse that, uh, that actually stands a chance here? Uh, I actually think it's take the euros and move on, to be honest with you. And that's probably not the most creative opinion in the world, but this is a race that's in recent history has been dominated by the Europeans. They've won each of the last four runnings uh, from a different country in Europe, each one, but nevertheless, not for America. And they're just better stairs than we are when it comes to going these extreme, you know, mile and a half, two mile distances. I think that Outbox is probably the horse to beat. I thought it was very interesting that Holly Doyle ships over for just the one mount uh, on Friday, uh, which is Outbox. I thought that was a little bit uh, interesting because I didn't see her on anything on Saturday's card either. So you have to think that they like this horse. The last out race at Newbury was not particularly great. It was <laughs> last by in a field of six by 15 lengths. So that's probably putting a little bit mildly, but if you kind of forgive that one effort or even look back at her, you know, at this horse's form, he, he kind of has some, some head scratchers in there where he just doesn't show up sometimes. You know, he, he came back and won a group one race at Qatar off of the a 10th place finish right before that. So this is clearly a horse that isn't maybe the most consistent type, but probably is one of the few in here that I think are really going to thrive at this distance. So I think Outbox is probably the horse here. The other European loft makes a bunch of sense as well. 
this is the same connections that actually won the arc last year with uh Torque Rotasso. He was 72 to one, I think, in that race. Yep. So yep. pretty big upset there. So I, I, these are the same connections. It, he does handle firm ground, although I think he'd prefer if it came up with a little bit of cut in the ground. He does seems to do his better running over a you know good good to yield and kind of turf is what we would call it probably here. But uh, I think this is a horse that is much more consistent than the other European invader in terms of showing up. But there is a bit of a question as far as what exactly he's been beating over there in Germany. These are not you know typically the same quality of races as you'll see over there in Ascot or York or you know Doncaster or anywhere else like that. So I think that there is a, a quality question mark here, but. He's already got a win at two miles last time out. These are strong connections and in good form. I think that both makes some sense here. Yeah. I, how could you not expect uh, a son of Adlerflug to, to run, <laughs> you know, to not just come to America and run his heart out? Uh, what, what makes Loft interesting to me, and uh, because I don't, forgive me, Adlerflug, but I don't know very much about you, but I'm looking at what Briz kind of tells me on term in terms of the average winning distances for the sire at 10.8 furlongs, uh, the damn 8.9 furlongs. Like that's pr probably the best distance pedigree based on what I'm able to see. Uh, once again, my apologies to Adler fluke. I will do more research into you for next time. Uh, but you also, I mean, out, outbox is a Frankel baby, you know, and that's kind of, and unfortunately with these euros, it just seems like that's the way you have to go is like, okay, can, because the biggest thing about this race is it's two miles. Can you handle the distance? And there's a lot of American horses here that I just do not look like they can. Uh, the Pletcher horse, a bond man, uh, take that horse off of Lasix and really kind of went off of form. It seems. Uh, and I mean, I'm not sure if he's been used as in the rabbit capacity uh, because he's been kind of hard sent the last few times, but that kind of just seems to be what he typically does. So, I'm, I'm kind of pointing to the Lasix there for the for the off form, uh, you know, the off form performance. But looking at Nova Soul, I still got a question there. The question is, will Sappy's game ship from, you know, uh, Gulfstream Park up north? Uh, it certainly didn't at Pimlico because uh, that horse had a, a terrible performance. So, I mean, I think it's as easy as maybe even just boxing the two euros. Um, but. I don't know if I were going to use an American horse, I might take the shot with, with Nova soul, but loft probably ends up my top pick here. Yeah. I think for horizontals, I'm probably just going to take the Europeans and move on. I guess some people will be tempted by Aban, the, the two horse here as the Americans. I just, I feel like Pletcher and this is totally anecdotal, but I just feel like he gets a lot of these turf horses that really flourish at the Gulfstream park meet over the winter and then tend to just like go off form or totally disappear over the summer. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if maybe that's because Chad Brown rolls all his big guns in the summer and they're just trying to duck some competition or maybe they just trains them at, you know, Payson Park or whatever. And they just like the surface down there. But, you know, Aubon was very good at Gulfstream. Uh, he kind of had no excuse in the Pan American. And then, you know, it was pretty much a huge disappointment in the Man of War where he ran last in a field where he was just absolute textbook controlling lone speed and, if he couldn't get it done against that field, I don't see how he gets it done against this one, honestly, going farther. But uh, I know some people will be tempted by him, but that's probably not a horse for me. I, I don't think any of the Americans have much of a chance in here. I kind of, I it hurts my soul to say that, you know, in between Memorial Day and 4th of July, here I am. <laughs> not giving America a chance, but that's, that's kind of how my money feels. All right. We have to take a quick break here after the Notorious OTB. I'll be right back with Caleb Knight. And we're going to finish up. Races 9, 10, and 11 on Friday's Belmont card.
your, I guess the, I don't know, what'd you call this? The, the Belmont gold cup day. This, this feel, that feels like the marquee race here, right? Yeah. It's probably good as any. Yeah. Yeah. We're calling it the Bel- the Belmont gold cup day. That's the decision's been made. Here it is from henceforth. We'll be right back in the notorious OTB. Make sure to get down on the wins. Bet 50 to win $200 promotion where a $50 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. Win an ultimate fantasy football experience. Bet $500 on sports or casino before July 31st, 2022. And get entered to win the ultimate fantasy football draft experience at Encore Beach Club, including a two-night stay at Win Resorts for you and your entire league. Multiple entries are allowed. And who doesn't want to party with DJ Diesel? All users can bet $100 on NBA or casino and be entered into a prize drawing to attend a DJ Diesel performance at Encore Beach Club at night, as well as meet and greet with DJ Diesel this summer. Why does that matter? Oh yeah, because he's Shaquille O'Neal. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com to get started. Offer subject to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through winbet is available. If you're someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry, and now you can make money on Sleeper too. You just do it by playing their new over and under game. It's super simple. First, any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over or under, for example, number of points in a basketball game or hits in a baseball game. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about over under on Sleeper is the only app where I can join my buddy's contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to write it out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com SGP, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's right, join our squad and get the 100% deposit match at sleeper.com slash SGP. Welcome back to the Notorious OTB. If you're just joining me, go to the beginning. This is a podcast. You don't, there's no rewinding or anything. You can start this at any point. Uh, Move it on, race nine, uh, the second race in this late pick four sequence. We just went over the, uh, the Belmont Gold Cup, uh, the two mile race. And now we're cutting it way back, putting it on dirt. It's a six and a half for long, for long true north. It's a great two. It's for four-year-olds and up. And uh, probably the best sprinter in the world right now, Jackie's Warrior. What would you say? Uh, you know, I was hoping to see him in flight line uh, mix it up this weekend. So I guess he's the best, you know, sprinter in the country anyway. I'll give, I'll give him that. Sure, sure. I mean, flight. I, I think a flight line. Well, I guess flight line's been sprinting at about this seven furlong distance at, at Santa Anita, hasn't he? I can't. He hasn't gotten two turns recently. I don't think. Or am um, I imagining did, he that? Did in the um, the the Malibu, yeah, late last year, which is seven furlongs, and I can't remember if he's. Uh, I don't think he's ever gone a mile, so I think he's only been six and seven furlongs. So, yeah, I'm kind of disappointed that they went. I mean, maybe Jackie just doesn't want a mile. I suppose that's possible, even if it is a 
a Belmont one-turn mile, but the fan in me is certainly disappointed to not see the uh, Jackie's Warrior Frontline matchup in either this race or the Met Mile. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of interesting that they wouldn't try Jackie's Warrior in, in the Met Mile itself, you know? Like, it, it seems, I don't know, I, I would be really excited for, for a Flightline Jackie's Warrior matchup. So, I mean, from my point of view, it's essentially just like a, like a, just, fanboy wish fulfillment sort of thing of course and not necessarily what's best for either of those horses but i don't know i like seeing flight line in the uh in the met mile i'm uh looking forward to my twitter's uh timeline flight line you know just splashing of of love before this race starts because it seems like twitter goes nuts every time flight there's a rumor of flight lines movements it <laughs> seems uh i mean do I take the bait here and actually play the closer? I mean the six. Yeah. I had it's, the same thought. It looks like it's too, it's impossible for this not to, to melt down. The problem is I've seen races like this not melt down so many times that uh, it's a little bit of the internal conflict. Logic tells me that sound money is actually a pretty good play here. Yeah. So this race is just an interesting uh, conundrum that I may be making more complicated than it truly needs to be. I think most betters are going to be more than willing to lean on Jackie's warrior here as a pretty comfortable single. But as you were mentioning earlier, I, I do think that it does seem like there is a good bit of speed signed on on paper anyway. I mean, if you look at the field, I mean, a horse like Mr. Phil has pretty much only ever won on the lead in each of his last three starts. War Toxin is a horse that likes to be forwardly placed. Uh, Baby Yoda has speed, although he hasn't really had it lately. I don't know what the fuck they're doing with that horse, but that's another conversation entirely. Yeah, Baby um, Yoda is, is just infuriating, <laughs> trying to figure out Baby Yoda. I mean, it's the only horse I've ever seen in my life that goes from second in a grade one into a $10,000 starter allowance. <laughs> And then back into a great $20,000 starter allowance and then into a grade two. <laughs> like, yeah, man. I yeah. At, yeah, absolutely. Not the sort of just, uh, you know, well-measured Yoda-like performances that we would, could, we would get. I feel like I would get more consistency out of the actual Yoda as opposed to, uh, to baby Yoda here. Um, yeah, I mean, this is not the way. Yeah, <laughs> far, far from the way. <laughs> oh, man. We just went hard in the Mandalorian there. Oh, uh, man. Uh, I almost feel like... All right, Jackie's Warrior to me is just proof that Rosario will only send to the front with with Steve Aspison's horses. I feel like it's it's like the only only time I can guarantee that he'll actually take to the front with a horse that's supposed to go to the front. It seems like it's one of Aspison's horses. Of course, why would you do that to Jackie's Warrior? Pull pull him back a little bit, but uh, I probably just lean into Jackie's Warrior because I've been doing it for like a year now, and I don't know what else to do at this point. Um, probably this ends up being a race where I key Jackie's warrior on top of, uh, you know, we mentioned the closer sound money, but also use a horse like nighttime uh, as another one, uh, underneath in an exact or trifecta as long as well, uh, sorry, as well with, uh, the one Mr. Phil with a uh, Kendrick Cartmouche up. Yeah. I think that's probably a similar way as I would look at the race. I, I, so to be honest with you, I have not really trusted Jackie's warrior since that breeders cup race. And I think I was just so like tragically and like traumatically scarred from that race when I thought he was the likeliest winner on the entire weekend. And he just absolutely quit without really much excuse that like I've been gun shy. I mean, I didn't think he looked very good in the count fleet at Oakland. I mean, he got the job done, but he was losing some ground there lately, albeit well under a hand ride. And then I don't, I can't take anything out of the Churchill Downs stakes last out because the pace was just absolutely 
glacially slow. Yep. And of course he's going to win by four when he gets to go 45 and two. I mean, that's just, that's nothing for a horse like Jackie's warrior. I guess, he, I mean, he still is the horse to beat, but I've been waiting for somebody else to show up. And as much as I would like to think that that somebody is like a Mr. Phil or a sound money, I, I just, I don't think that it is. I, I don't think they're on the same level as Jackie's warrior. I will bet against Jackie's warrior at some point this year, but I just don't think this is the right spot for it. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, for one, I really love using the Jackie Moon corn dogs Jackie gif every time that that Jackie's Warrior wins. That's just an added bonus for me. My answer to this race is I'm not sure how the track will play after getting that much rain. Conventional wisdom is track drying out creates a conveyor belt. If this track has created a conveyor belt, this could, I mean, very much be a wait to see race because if you're in conveyor belt like conditions, then it's Jackie's warrior. And it's absolutely not a, not a question. If I'm watching horses come from off the pace all day though, then I'm probably going to go heavy at, at nighttime and it sound money uh, just to, to take the chance to say that I took it uh, essentially. And maybe I'm, I'm rewarded for it. Uh, this one, I, I got to think that this feels like a, a race that you you don't really have a hard play in, but you probably make your decision late after taking in all the all the data that the track will give you. Yeah, I think that's probably the right approach as far as see how the track's playing. We know that big tracks, you know, even though they deny it, have a tendency to speed up the surface or do a lot of work to the surface on their big days to get the flashy times and to break track records. So. If it's out there, you know, a glib surface and they're just, you know, cruising along and Jackie's Warrior is probably a pretty safe bet. If they get some weather and it's muddy or cuppy and you see horses come off the pace all day, then I wouldn't fault anyone for looking at a horse that might be able to come off the pace a little bit more. Yeah. And then Jackie's Warrior will, will just absolutely run off the screen. Because, <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's good horses can outrun a bias, of course. So it's, it's not like it's impossible if we see horses coming from off the pace all day for Jackie's Warrior to get off a wire. Basically, I'm deep in the weeds with this one. But it's a wait-and-see approach. Either Jackie's Warrior, if the, if the track isn't playing like a conveyor belt, and then uh, the others I mentioned, if they're coming from off the pace. We're going to move on to race 10. We're looking at the New York, the grade one. It's for Phillies and Mares, four years old and up. It is a mile and a quarter on the inner turf. It's important important to know your track setup. Uh, really interested. I mean, once again, older marathon turf horses. At least it's the Phillies this time. So there's a little bit more love for me on that one. What, what did you think about this race? I just need to borrow a soapbox or something for a minute because this fucking race, man, I mean, seven horse field. So good, good job. You know, Belmont, it's not a five horse field for a grade one, four of the seven owned and trained by Peter Brandt and Chad Brown. Like how this continues to occur and like be allowed to occur just, just blows my mind. I mean, yeah. you got, I mean, you got a horse like flighty lady in here and I'm just like, bro, like, what are you doing? I mean, that's, that's the, that's the go have fun kid in the basketball team that you try to get to the free throw line when you're up by 20 points. I mean, I don't understand like why some of these horses are here other than just to absolutely control every aspect and faucet of the race. But anyway, my rant is over, but that just, that irritates me. I I'm with you. I, I it's for one, it's boring to watch. I don't, I, I'll tell you the truth. I mean, people make a big deal out of maybe this come being a, a Chad Brown superfecta. That's boring. That is really boring. Whenever you have the entries they're all from the same barn. They have the same ownership. You can only assume that they are working together because all of the money is going to the same place. Uh, 
especially in a seven horse field, you have more than 50% of the field. Of course, this better go how you hoped. If it doesn't go how you hoped, then, then I'm real. I think you're suspect if that's the case. And if you look, you look through at these running styles, it's like, okay, well, Virginia joy is here to go and heat this up for the other horses that aren't in Chad's barn. And then there's, you know, uh, other horses that you're like, okay, well this, this one's here to neutralize this. And then it looks like they, that he's really just here for uh Rogier to win this race. Like that he's trying to ensure that. And if that doesn't happen, then he's got the insurance policy of Bleecker street to, to be the other horse that closes. So it seems like the, he wants Bleecker street or Rogier to, to win this race based off of, uh, based off of who's entered. It's kind of messed up that, uh, you can look at this and be like, okay, this is the horse he wants to win. I mean, you feel like the, the other ones should be taken off of the, uh, off the off the the betting board a little bit but you know who knows you could get some chad fuckery some all all-time chad fuckery what what do you think what how do you feel about this this collusion this monopoly that's happening oh, i hate it but uh I, I guess from a handicapping angle um virginia joy sort of feels like the horse that's probably in here to make sure the pace is honest uh, sorry, family way, but you're probably not going to get the easy lead that you know you may hope, or even even lovely lucky. I mean, there, there's not really any legitimate speed signed on here, so I don't think we're going to see any crazy speed duels. But I think that one of these chads, most likely Virginia Joy, will ensure that the pace is honest. Uh, I actually like, you, you know, you made a case a long time ago when Chad had a previous rabbit horse that was a very obvious rabbit. Uh, I think Taste was the horse's name, or Tice. Yeah, you, you made the case for Taste. Or I, uh, oh God. We tried you know, to leave the case for taste behind. It's a cold know, case at this I point. was trying to think of something catchy or, that rhymes with Virginia Joy, and I, I couldn't really come up with anything. But uh, you know, I think this is a horse that people are going to overly dismiss as a rabbit, and maybe that's why she's here, but I don't think she's like without her chances in here. I mean, sure. Rogier, yeah, she looked good last time out, but that was a pretty sorry field. I mean, that was a pretty bad G3 where – she didn't really beat anybody. I mean, okay, she won the Prix de la Opera over in uh, France before that. So she's clearly very well thought of. I'm not taking anything away from her. But I think Virginia Joy is also a horse that needs respected and probably won't. I think Rogier and Bleecker Street take all the money. I mean, Bleecker Street's undefeated, yet Prad still sees fit to ride Rogier instead. You know, Rogier, you know, record speaks for herself with that last out win. So I think they take a beating at the window and maybe Virginia Joy gets slept on a little bit. I think that she's certainly a horse that's going to have a tactical advantage as far as pace is concerned over all of her rivals. And, you know, Trevor gave a good aggressive ride last time and just absolutely crushed a field uh, last time out. But it's not like that came out of nowhere. I mean, she was good in the very one at Gulfstream where she beat Family Way and Harajuku. I mean, Family Way came back to win uh, after that and then ran second to Warlike Goddess, who would be a big favorite in this race. So, I mean, I don't think that... Uh, Virginia Joy is probably going to get the respect she deserves. I don't know that I'd say she's the most likely winner, but I think for me, I think she's going to offer the most value at the price. Sure. Now the only horse that I'm looking at that's outside of, of the Chad Brown barn and the, and the, uh, the uh, connections uh, with uh, Peter Brandt, it, it's, I, I'll say family ways. The only one I feel like could compete, but it's on the lower side of the lo lower edge of the could compete scale. Uh, but you know, I, you have to think that even in a seven horse race with four Chad Brown horses, the Brendan Walsh with Tyler Gaffleyone horse is going to be largely forgotten. And actually you might get an astronomical price on this horse. Uh, you know, even though it actually is a little bit competitive. I mean, I still think this finishes in it at least a, a Chad Brown exacta. Uh, 
I won't stretch and say trifecta because I, I just once again wish fulfillment. I don't want to see it happen. Uh, you know, a family way is a horse that I might drop a win bet on, or maybe even do like a try to just play a family way over the Chads sort of exacta. Yeah, I think of the of the non Chads, she's certainly the one I would want the most of. I think she has a good chance to hit the board run. You know, second might be ambitious in my opinion. I think third makes sense, but I think she'll offer enough value that if you want to take a shot at a win bet, that I wouldn't really talk anybody off of that sure. uh, by any stretch because I think she will get kind of ignored given the presence of the four chads. If I was going to structure anything vertically here, I guess my opinion would be I would try to leave Bleecker Street out of all of my verticals. That's fair. The horse has a good record, but I'm just not convinced she's really beat anything. I mean, racing mostly on Monmouth, Meadowlands, Tampa, and then the Churchill course last time. I mean, it was playing very biased towards outside closers, which is you know, right up her alley. You know, Pratt gets off this horse, and her speed figures really aren't that fast. So she's the horse I'd probably try to play against if I was going to play anything, you know, for exactas or trifectas here. Maybe try to work in Virginia Joy and your horse family way a little bit. All right. Well, we've got one race left, but we're going to make you wait for it. For these ad reads, we will be right back on the Notorious OTV brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And Caleb and I will finish up the Friday late pick for the All Stakes pick for at Belmont Park on what we have dubbed Gold Cup Day at Belmont. Gold Cup Friday. We'll be right back. We're brought to you by Athletic Greens and their AG1 supplement. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day off right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of the things. It costs you less than $3 a day, and you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. AG1 supports better sleep quality and recovery, and Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com SGP. Again, that is athleticgreens.com SGP to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right, without added security, you might as well give away all your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IP Vanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed. Your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IP Vanish. IP Vanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's just like getting nine months for free. IP Vanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You don't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to IPVanish.com SGP and use promotional code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's IPVanish.com slash SGP. 
Welcome back to the Notorious OTB. So we've been through a four-horse race. We've been through a race where one trainer has four horses. But we have a mission at hand, and that mission is to wrap up the late pick four from Friday's Belmont card. And it ends off with a pretty, pretty good little turf sprint race. Uh, the six furlong intercontinental. It's a grade three on the turf, the Widener turf also. Know your know your turf course layouts. I'm just gonna say that every time. Uh, man, uh, pretty pretty interesting. I always feel like these races on the Widener turf set up better for horses that want to come from off the pace because they have that sort of you know the bigger sweeping turns that they can kind of shake their horse up and let it kind of build momentum as opposed to the inner turf has that tight turn where you kind of see uh, early speed kind of kick away sometimes. Uh, I, I, it's pretty evenly distributed by the, the whole, you know, by, for looking at the race picture, like there's a, there's a little bit of speed. There's a little bit of closers. There's a lot of horses in the middle. It's a pretty, pretty bell curvy kind of race. What did you think? I agree with you. This is, in my opinion, this is by far the best betting race of the whole day on Friday. And certainly the best race of the, uh, pick four sequence that we covered here. There's a lot of different ways that you can go. And, you know, when I initially handicapped the race, I kind of approach it, I think, similar to you with trying to understand where the speed and early speed is going to come from. You know, I don't see a ton of pace signed on, so I'm probably not going to want to go towards any of the you know real deep closers in here. I think Robin Sparkles is likely your leader in here. I, that's probably not a horse I'm going to use. I, I just don't think that she's been very good lately. I think she's kind of gone off form. And when she's kind of stepped up to the, the upper level, you know, graded stakes, she hasn't really performed. So she's not one I'm interested in, but she certainly will be a pace factor. And after that, I think it gets kind of murky. I think there's probably three or four horses that like to be in that, you know, second through fourth kind of pocket trip. So, you know, with the, with a big field and having to work out some trips, I think it'll be really curious to see uh, how aggressive some of these jockeys get trying to get position early. I, unfortunately, I feel like Robin Sparkles, if this were a August in Saratoga kind of race, I, I feel like, Robin Sparkles would have a much better chance, but it's going to be, you're getting a ton of rain between Thursday, you know, Thursday into Friday, uh, and then it clears off. But I do think that these turf courses are going to be pretty well saturated. Uh, in fact, when I was handicapping this card, anything that wasn't a graded stakes race on the turf, I would, I'm planning to be taken off. So I could see this, see this being softer or yielding and man, that just, it doesn't feel like that plays well for a horse like Robin Sparkles. To me, that, that means a more tiring kind of turf track. Same for a horse like a Jouster for, for Todd Pletcher. Uh, this could be a, a pretty good kind of a, not deep close, but mid-pack kind of uh, kind of race. And there are so many, so many to choose from. I mean, throw three names out there pretty much. Um, I think you do have to pay a lot of attention, of course, to uh, the, the nine, a legal smile for Wesley Ward with Kendrick Cartmouche up. I don't know. We, we've gone back and forth with the, the people that we have like a discord chat with uh, as to, you know, kind of Kendrick status. Is he being less aggressive since he's back from the, from the, uh, the, the injury? Uh, this would be a race where he would have to necessarily be as aggressive, just kind of sit that, that first run pocket trip or not necessarily pockets. He's drawing the nine, but I, I illegal smiles, a horse that I've got a lot of interest in. Uh, it's one that's tried some stakes and then kind of, didn't necessarily do that well, fell back out to some allowance some protected races and then kind of found its footing again at Keeneland. Uh, and both were over a track with a little bit of cut in it. Uh, what did you see here? Yeah, I, I saw the same thing you did. And 
Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up Legal Smile because I think we talked about him a little bit on the first podcast. And, you know, I have all the respect in the world for David Aragona as a lines maker. I mean, a tough job and he does an excellent job of it. I think this is the race where, at least in my opinion, it feels like a miss. Mm-hmm. I saw on his Twitter account, he posted that uh, Illegal Smile is 10 to 1 in this field. Woo! Um, you know, I actually thought that horse would be the favorite, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that race at Keeneland came back very strong. Um, you know, the speed figure on time form came back a 120, which is the best last out figure in the field and might be the best figure in, in general in the field. I mean, it's Wesley Ward turf sprinter. I mean, the horse has early speed, but doesn't need the lead. I mean, I, I get that Irad gets off, but, uh, you know, he, he probably has to ride for Chad. So I'm not really that, you know, shook up about the whole thing. I, w- I was very shocked to see 10 to one because I really thought this horse would be more in the, you know, nine to two, four to one, you know, not a heavy favorite by any stretch, but I thought this horse would be up there. So I was very shocked to see that. Yeah, the, definitely not a lot of respect going to the the two races at uh, at, at Keeneland. I, I think I might see what, what Aragona is seeing, though, and it's the performances sans Lasix. At Lasix come off in these stakes races, uh, beaten second by head, fifth by four lengths. Lasix go back on, crushes and allowance races. Um, it seems like the with a legal smile, uh, you're, you're if you're I guess if you're making that bet, you're making that bet that the horse can still run off of Lasix. Now that I see it, I'm, I've actually talked myself off of it, and now I've got to find something else to do. I'm scrambling. You talk. Yeah, no, look, literally, as I was mentioning that, I was like, well, like, I'm, I'm going to put my David Aragona hat on. I'm like, why wouldn't I bet this horse? And I looked at the losses, and you're right, I did notice the Lasix thing. I, I suppose that's, I don't think that's an angle to make him 10 to 1 on, because I don't think the average handicapper is probably that sharp or looks that closely. But um, sure. I do think that that's a good reason to not bet the horse if that's uh, something that you know troubles you enough. A horse that... I ended up on as actually my top pick as a horse that beat Illegal Smile the last time they faced each other and does have a win without Lasix. And that's actually the number one horse, Star Divine. So this is another horse that he has listed at 10 to 1 on the line, which is pretty exciting for me. And I think you'll get a a decent-ish price on this horse. I think Illegal Smile takes money. Star Divine might go off at 8 or 10 to 1. Um, I I thought this horse ran a great race in the Galway when she beat Illegal Smile. And, you know, we saw what Illegal Smile came back to do and rattling off consecutive wins in uh, two pretty good allowance races at Keeneland. Um, You know, Star Divine came back in the Giants Causeway at Keeneland last time out and was a a well-beaten second, but a well-beaten second to Campanelli, who we know how good Campanelli is. I mean, she routinely goes overseas and wins Group 1 events. Uh, Just truly one of the best Philly turf sprinters that we have in the country and arguably one of the best in the world. Um, yeah, she's a freak. So no shame at all in running second to her, especially when you figure that was start of Ein's first start in about an eight month layoff. I think she'll be sharper here. Second off the bench. Uh, Georgia Brayu did have a very slow start to the Belmont meet. So I probably wouldn't bet this horse except for the fact that I saw him get a couple of winners last weekend. And it just seemed like his horses were overall running a little bit better than they had been for the start of the meet. So Maybe there was a bug in the barn or something going around, but it seems like his runners are waking up a little bit. Uh, Star Divine, I think, can be forward enough to get her run early, save some ground. And uh, I think second off the bench, she could have a big chance here. So I'm a new top effort. You know what's interesting about Star Divine is everything in that pedigree tells me that this horse should be out running a mile and a half, a mile and a quarter. It's by Fastnet Rock out of Stars at Night, which is a Galileo mare. 
Uh, and once again, just kind of looking at Brisna, average winning distance for, for the for the sire, 9.1 furlongs. For the dam, 10.4. We're cutting it back to six furlongs here. I, I kind of wonder, like, are they going to stretch this horse out and actually see it kind of, uh, you know, take flight a little bit, really just kind of find it, find its groove. Cause it seems like everything in the pedigree is telling me that it should. Uh, I guess you can't really ignore the, the Brad Cox horse here. Caravelle, of course, uh, if Caravelle wins, how much does this pick four pay? Like three ninety five. Yeah. Yeah. Four, this four is the pay. race where I'm, I'm probably chucking some of the short priced horses just because it, it's hard enough to get around Jackie's warrior. It's hard enough to get around the Europeans in the gold cup. This is the race where I don't want to settle on anybody. That's going to be, you know, five to one. Right. I, I'm going to go ahead and say I, I'm going to make my top pick here, and it's going to be Miss J. McKay, Christophe Clement. Uh, I mean, the horse can run that kind of first run trip. You've got Rosario up for Clement. Might as well. Might as well give this one a shot. But there's also about five other horses that I could go through here and say might as well give this one a shot. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think on my uh, first pass, I had three horses written down as A's uh, on my ticket, which would be the, the one, the four, and the nine. You know, we already talked about Star Divine and uh, um, Illegal Smile. The other one I liked was Toby's Heart, but uh, Toby's Heart actually is your, uh, actually no, second, third choice at five to one. Um, so yeah, nothing crazy there. And I had about five additional horses written down as B's after that. So can't uh, walk through all of them, but I, I think this is a race where I'm going to Probably take some shots, not be afraid to take some stands against some of the shorter prices. You know, a horse like Caravelle doesn't do a whole lot for me. Um, surprisingly enough, Miss J. McKay is the second pick on the line, one line, which I thought was quite surprising. Um, you know, a horse like Navigian Sunset or Sunrise probably takes money given the connections, but I'm not really sure she's a sprinter. I'm not really sure that I want to bet her on this cutback here. So um, I'll take some stands against the short prices here and probably try to get alive to a couple of the longer priced horses in this race. Well, that is it. That wraps up the late pick four at Belmont on Friday on the Gold Cup Friday card. Man, I got Caleb Knight in here for the second time. This is the greatest comeback since Lazarus. Yeah, Durkin said it, so it must be true. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, thanks for having me. I know you've got a few things, uh, you know, going on this week. Go ahead, give give us your social again uh, for the for the forgetful folks or for the people who don't want to scan through the first appearance that you made. Let's do this for convenience' sake. At Caleb WVU, uh, what else do you have going on this week? I know you're you're a busy man. You're you're the face of horse racing in my book. Uh, what what do you got going on? Oh, that is quite a short book, my friend, but. Uh... Yeah, so this is a fun week. Belmont Stakes is always one of the best uh, racing weekends. So it was obviously uh, a blast being on here talking Friday's racing with you. Uh, tomorrow I'll be on with a couple of guys on Twitter, uh, you know, Maddie uh, Feld Menace, Gino, and Barry uh, Urban Sniper. Uh, so we're going to be doing, uh, continuing our little trend of doing a, like a fantasy horse racing draft. We did one for the Kentucky Derby and we did one for the Preakness. So uh, we're doing like a little fantasy draft of the Acorn plus Belmont Stakes. Since the fields are kind of small, we had to combine. So you, well, we'll be streaming that live on Twitter tomorrow. And then on uh, Thursday, you can catch us on On the Wrong Lead, where me and some other guys will be covering probably all the stakes from Saturday. At the very least, we'll cover the uh, All Stakes Pick 5. So that'll be Thursday at 8.30 Eastern. Man, I've, I've hit for the on, the on the Wrong Lead cycle. 
Uh, I've managed to get all four of you guys uh, in here. Of course, Brian Duransky was the home run in it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, man, yeah, it's uh, the guys he mentioned that he's doing a show with uh, over the next couple of days with uh, Barry Spears. Uh, Phil to menace, Matthew DeSantis. He- heck, he's your only company in the two-timer club. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, Gino Bacola, those are, they are all honorable men. That's how I'm going to say it. They are all honorable men, sharp handicappers. So definitely guys give that a, Give that a watch slash listen. And uh, yeah, that is it for us on the Notorious OTV brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. All I got to say is corn dogs, Jackie. We'll see you next time.